You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to introduce a friend of mine that are with the Lord. And I met them, I believe, almost exactly to the day, 51 years ago. I went to work for uh, Pastor Melvin Swanson, who became my father-in-law. And I met a couple, he had won to Christ in 1960. They were country folk, and I say that with all great respect. They were country folk from Alabama, and they had moved up north to Rockford, Illinois, there was factory work there in Detroit and in the Chicagoland area in Rockford. And, and Donna, his wife, went to work in the Chicklet factory there making gum. And he worked, went to work in another factory. They were just country. They were just such wonderful people. And I was in my, going into my junior year of college, and they just took me under their wing. They were wonderful people. My father-in-law's wife had just passed away at age 45, leaving eight kids pastoring that church. And shortly thereafter, an insurrection began in the church. And um, most of it was over maybe who he should marry to take care of these kids. And all the deacons left but Jim and Donna Tucker. They're such wonderful people. It was Jim Tucker that took my old Ford. I had an old Ford, and it was just smoking. I bought it for $500. My dad sent me $500, and he didn't believe in helping me with my Bible college school and thought I should pay my way through. But he said, you're serving the Lord, and you're driving from Wisconsin to Illinois, and I want you to have a car. I bought this old Ford, and pretty soon it just started smoking. Oh, smoking, and I had such trouble, I'd, I'd fill up with gas and fill it up with oil all the same time. You know, it was just a mess. Of course, I rest my case. That was about my last Ford I ever bought. Because when I became a man, I put away carnal things, wicked things, bad things. And I drove that old Ford, and I'll never forget it. Jim took it one day on a Saturday, he said, bring it by the house. He lived right on the right on the corner of the church in a little, little house. Uh, had a corner lot there, sort of on a wedge, and, and you walked up the wooden steps to a wooden porch, and they'd sit out there. And he said, bring it by. He goes, could you drive my pickup? Thank God for that. It was a Chevy. And I drove that pickup that day on Saturday visiting and going out. I came by about mid-afternoon. I saw the hood was off my car, and he had some men, and they'd pulled the engine out. And I saw what they were doing. I'd ground um, valves before, and I, uh, I, I worked on cars. I knew how to, then I don't know how now, but I didn't know how to rebuild an engine. And they had the engine out. They were doing a, 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 a ring job on it and fixing it and repairing it. And I, I didn't know what to say because I didn't have a dime. I mean, I didn't have a dime. I'd stopped for gasoline in Jefferson, Wisconsin, and this is hard to believe, but it was 19 cents a gallon. And I'd every week think, how am I going to pay this? 
My father-in-law began to pay me $25 a week, and that helped, but certainly could not pay my school bill. I drove that car, and he took the hood off it and had the engine out, and I said, Brother Tucker, may I talk to you? He was slow, brother. You, we've been around him a lot, Brother Cooper. They're slow. They're slow. Just so, not in a hurry. And I said, Brother Tucker, I, I'm ashamed to tell you this, but I'll pay for it, but I don't, I, don't, I don't have a dime to give you. I don't have a penny. I don't have anything. So, Brother Tree, Brother Jack, we're doing it as men of the church because we love you. There's so many, I could preach so much on that, brother, right there, because I, I, found, I found the, I love the people of God, but I found out the people of God, they have done that my whole life. Every, everything I have, every, my, everything my wife has, everything I have is because of you. Everything. My shirt, my tie, my suit, my shoes, everything in life I have. If you didn't buy it for me, you give me a paycheck. Everything is from God's people. And I saw how gracious they were and said, we're not expecting you to pay for this, son. We want to do this. I fell in love with Jim and Donna Tucker. They were so patient. Nothing riled them. You know, Brother David, they had such great sorrows that entered into their life. But you know, they never talked about them. They never shared it with people. Sure enough, Saturday, we, he, Jim and I, we didn't have a bus garage. We'd put, we'd put uh, uh, cardboard down uh, under the buses and we'd lay on that cardboard and we'd work on those engines. We'd try to north, more normally fix oil leaks. And, and we just worked on those buses and fixed those buses together. And, and, and then Donna would always make sure go out to the garden and get some beans. And, and they always had green beans or pinto beans and, you know, bread. And they always had some type of meat. And it was just amazing to be with them. They were so kind to me, just so kind to me. But he never got riled. The pressure's coming. And sure enough, Sunday school, he was there. Sunday morning, he was there. Sunday night, he was there. Wednesday night, he was there. Five o'clock every morning in the summer, I began to work there. And in the, at five o'clock every morning, he was at prayer meeting and then ran off to the factory. Never, never, never was hard to pastor. Just a nice guy, a good guy, down to the same. You know, always sort of slow, like, well, oh, oh. How you doing, Brian Tucker? Well... I'm doing fine. Brother Jerry, Brother Whitlow, you know what I'm talking about from Virginia there. Just slow. And nothing is just being critical of any area. I, I love it. I'm just the opposite. I'm, I'm, I'm old antsy. And God put those people in my life to show. I'd say, Brother Tucker, you ready to go work on the buses? They always say the same thing. Sitting on ready. It took them 20 minutes to say it. <laughs> and 20 minutes later, we were still sitting on ready. No hurry. You know what I'm talking about, Mrs. Cooper. No hurry. Just, just down home. You know, they were never moody. They were never complainers. They were never drama. They were never, my wife, they were not toxic. They were just good Christians. Here's Joseph, hold that story. And he goes, betrayed by his brother, he's thrown into a pit. 
And from the pit, eventually he goes to a palace. And from the palace, he goes to a prison. And from a prison, he goes back and becomes number two in command of Egypt. The man's amazing. But everywhere he went, the, the Bible said the Lord was with him. He never got riled in the pit. You imagine the Bible tells us his brother sat down to eat and looking in the pit, they saw their kid brother in the pit, son number 11, in the pit. And there he was down. And he had to look up like, fellas, what's going on? What are you doing? But he never attacked his brothers, never mad at his brothers. He went to the prison and it was, it was a fraud why he went there. He was, uh, uh, he was maligned and, and lied about what he had do, done to Potiphar's wife and he never did it. What, what a man. You know, today as I think about him, and I think about the Tuckers, I want to preach and speak to you on something that's helped me. Something that's helped me immensely. Here's my message today. What happens, happens. What happens, happens. It's just it. We get so worked up in life, but what happens, happens. I, I can't change things. You know, today, what happens to me, I cannot, uh, around me, I cannot change sorrow. I cannot change betrayal. I cannot change hurt. I cannot change, I can't change health. I cannot change setbacks. I can't change anything. But what happens, most people have something affect them and their life spins from that which happens. And, uh, hey, how you doing? Uh, ah, I hate that. Uh, like you're the only one that's ever had a problem in life. Well, how you doing? Well, let me tell you about it. I didn't ask you, I just said, how you doing? Good, great, wonderful, that's it. End of story. I'm not trying to be rude, but ladies and gentlemen, What's happening around us should not be affecting what's happening within us. What happens within us is the important thing. I don't know how to do the Facebook. I don't know how to do the internet, but I do know enough from God's people. And to me, it's very tragic what's taking place over in Russia and, and uh, Ukraine. And I don't understand it all. I've not heard the news. I've not read the news. I've not seen the news, but I know it's just awful. But I understand that Christians and preachers all over America say, it's World War III. How do you know it's World War III? How do you know that? Well, the rapture's gonna come. Well, how do you know that? I I mean, you must have some some insight. I don't know. I'm not trying, I believe Jesus is coming again. I wouldn't be surprised he came today. But I had two grandfathers, one I never met. He's passed away long before my parents were married. But I tell you this, my two grandfathers were old Germans. They spoke German, not English. And then they came to the country, thank you. And they came and learned English. But they spoke in, in Wisconsin in German Baptist churches. And they, they, my mother said, I remember my dad speaking about the rapture. Well, that had to be in 1930s. I think it's about 90 years ago was never good in math, but I think it was about 90 years ago, and they thought he was coming. Now, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I, I believe he's coming. Amen. Maybe today, what do you mean? It probably is today. He's coming. But I'm not going on the internet and say, well, he's coming again. Well, Putin's the, the Antichrist. Where'd you get that? Who knows what he is? 
I know a president doesn't know who he is. I'm saying today, what happens, happens. I cannot govern things that happen in my life. Job had that situation, and, and it all happened. I mean, everything. He lost his possessions. He lost his kids. He lost his wife. He lost his health. He had three young friends younger than him, and then a young kid comes on the block, and he says, I'll tell you your problem. You're proud. It's amazing what young kids know about older people. Job couldn't change the situation that lasted a year. Joseph cannot change the situation nearly 24 years away from family. Daniel was stolen as a young teenager and taken away from his mother and his father and he's by himself in captivity because he was such a brilliant young man and with no blemish and here a very smart young boy. And, and the king said, hey, hey, how about some wine? Well, guess what? Mama would have never known. Daddy would have never known. He said, I'm not going to defile myself with that. He has some character. But when he's 90 years of age, he went as a teenager. At 90 years of age, he goes to the den of lions. And it wasn't a lion's den. It was a den of lions. There's a big difference. There were lions there. And the Bible says he fell asleep. May I say this today? Daniel was told, you cannot pray. But he said, as I did yesterday and every day, I opened my windows, I prayed toward Jerusalem, I'm going to do it. I think of a man uh, uh, by the name of Haman who, who tried to control the situation, Mordecai and Esther the queen and, and, uh, and those that, and, and, and you know, he could change it. Can't change what he was doing. He built gallows. So Mordecai would die on those gallows. But later, God said, I think I'll have you hang hung on the gallows instead. Hey, what happens, happens. I cannot, I, I'm not, you say, well, well, what about Paul? I know, a night and a day in the deep, I was stoned. Uh, everything that happened to Paul, but he couldn't change it. He said, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I rejoice. Well, God has a plan for my life. You don't get out of this life without sorrows and hurts and deathbeds and family members hurting you and betraying you. And, and, and you don't get out without burying a son or a daughter or a wife or a mother or a father. And I'm not trying to be careless, please. I'm not trying, but you can't change it. I can't change because what happens, happens. Well, I'm so... You don't understand, Pastor, I'm so restless. Well, stop it. Well, I'm so hurt. Well, stop that nonsense. Well, I'm so lonely. The whole world's lonely. Well, well I, I, I'm so hurt what they did to me. Well, you're gonna have to get over it. Because I'm gonna tell you what, 20 years from now, you're not gonna remember what they did that hurt you. Because you'll have other hurts along the pathway of life. God's people have too many ulcers because we're trying to control things we can't control. We have too much high blood pressure because of things that we're trying to control that we can't. We have too much sleeplessness and too much fear and too much anxiety because I'm going to tell you something, friend. We're trying to control what happens that happens, but you can't. Joseph had no control over this. 
You have to live with the reality. What happens, happens. You're not going to change it. He was hated. He was envied. He was sold. There was Potiphar's wife. There was prison. There was the butler and the baker. And from age 17 to 40, he did not see his dad. But he had no control over those circumstances, but he had control over himself. I don't know what's going to happen to me or to you this week. But when it happens, I have to deal with it. It's probably the closest I've ever been in my life on Friday involved in a very serious, serious four-lane accident. I would have been T-boned and hit on head-on collision. And it was over. I mean, there's no way I was going to live through that. It's just no way I would have lived through it. Horns were hawking. It was just an awful thing. And I thought of that Friday, and you know what would have happened? Sunday, somebody would be standing up here preaching. And tonight, somebody would have stand up, stood up here preached. And, and on, if that was Friday, maybe, Brother Dennis, could you get me ready for the funeral by Tuesday? And by Tuesday, I'd be in a casket and lowered in the ground. And next week, the deacons will meet. And two weeks from now, hopefully, in a short time, you'd call a new pastor. Because you're going to have to deal with it. It was the closest, I, I, I mean, I just, I, I, it was just a miracle. I, I believe, I don't know how it happened, but I believe that, uh, I know this didn't happen, but it, it felt like the angel of God just picked that thing up and, uh, and, and, and c- controlled the car. It was just an amazing thing what happened. My life's but a vapor, your life's but a vapor, it appears and it's gone. Guess what? The church, you're just going to have to figure it out, Okay. He was here those years, and he had a ministry, and he's dead. Now we get a new pastor. We're going to move forward. Someone said, that's right. I mean, it's not that, that fun. <laughs> I, I can't change what's happening around me. I've tried every way to, through fasting and through prayer and through emails and through phone calls, Our congressman here, and he may be watching, he used to attend church quite a bit here, liberal in this area, but my dear, dear friend, I called him on his cell phone, and I said, this, this has got to stop. This was two years ago, and, and we've talked, and he says, I'll, I'll, call, I'll call Sarah for you. He's talking about Dr. Cody. I'll call her. I got her number. And I said, you're going to have to go a step further. He goes, okay, I'll call Gavin. I got a cell right here. I'll call Gavin. They called. Nothing changed. It got tighter. It got stronger. And they monitored the services. I was pre- preaching. I'll let my people go. And four lawyers from the, from, and they might be watching right now. Pray for you daily. But four lawyers from the county, uh, they said, boy, I tell you what, talking on, the, on our Zoom meetings, and as we talk together, you're so nice. And then you preach. Good night. What? Like two different persons. I said, no, that's called preaching. I've tried emails, and I've tried letters, and I've tried this and I've that, and I've prayed every single day. 
And so my congressman called me back. I've been in his office on repeated occasions in Washington, D.C. We've sat at breakfast together with President Trump and others and senators and the King Abdul from Jordan. Others were there. And, and I, I said, uh, he called me, he said, Pastor, I'll never forget because I said, it was a year later. I said, I'll tell you the date exactly because I said, tomorrow, after we talked for about a half hour, I said, Ro, I said, tomorrow's my birthday. Because he said, I've called Gavin, I've called Sarah. I said, you know, I don't want anything for me, but for my people, would you, can I use my birthday? Would you at least on my birthday give me the present of my life and let my people go? He said, I'll call Sarah right now. He said, I'll call Gavin tonight. And you know, everything we talked about the next day, the governor came out and talked. I don't know if they talked that night, but almost verbatim them. They, and they, they screwed it down tighter. Everything that I was asking to loosen up. And I know somebody from the county is watching right now. And I don't want to mess up Wednesday, but it's been two years. You know, can I tell you something about this? I can't change it. I can't change this vaccine. I can't change, I can't change what, I can't change rules and regulations. I can't change taxes. Obviously. I can't change five, six, seven dollars a gallon of gasoline. When January 20th, a year ago, two years at inauguration, it was just barely over three dollars. I can't change that. I think sometimes they go, well, we get a conservative governor and a conservative mayor and a conservative health director and a conservative president and a conservative uh, 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 Supreme Court. That's not going to happen. And my hope is not in that, which is not going to happen anyway. The only hope I have is God, because what happens, happens. And this week, what happens to you if it was like last week, a near, I think, death experience with an accident? If that happens, if I die, I die. I'm talking about the fact that my job in adversity is to trust God. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah 41, please. Isaiah 41, as you turn to Isaiah 41, my job, number one, is to, to, to claim the promises of God. Here's the promises of God. I can do all things through Christ. Here's the promises of God. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Here's a, you're, we're going to Isaiah 41. Here's the promises of God. To trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. What happens, happens. Trust him. I'm to trust the promises of God. I'm to be still and know that thou art God. I'm I'm tired of this verse being under attack. I'm to claim one of my favorite verses always has been Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Them that are called. It, it, God, I, God's working for my good, taking from a pit to a palace to the prison to the palace. God's going to work it all out. 
He always does. So what happens, happens. My life, Lord, is yours to control. I'm gonna stop controlling my life. Be careful, be anxious for nothing, but everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That's a man, that's a promise. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, that's a promise. That he may establish your heart, that's a promise. He giveth more grace. James 4, 6, that's a promise. Look what he says in Isaiah 41, 10. Would you read it with me? Ready, begin. Fear thou not. How much in that verse does it say that God's going to change the experience? Never once. Well, I'm going to remove the problem. I'm going to fix the problem. I'm taking care of it all. Doesn't say that. It says, one, I will strengthen you. I will strengthen you. You do your part, just fear not. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to strengthen you. Will I remove the burden? Not necessarily. He said, I'm going to give you strength. What else did he say? I will help you. It doesn't say I'm going to change it. Because what happens, happens. And, and yeah, I'll uphold thee. I'm not going to change it, but I'm going to hope, hold, hope, hold you, and I will help you, and I will strengthen you. Be not dismayed, whatever be tied. God will take care of you. And when things happen this week, and when things happen this year, and when things happen in life that we don't like, or we don't agree with, or they're difficult, or they're hard, what happens, happens. I'm so sick and tired of being a Christian that has fear and afraid myself and, and, and has anxiety and has, what, what's God doing? And, uh, but it's betrayal and it, it, I didn't plan it to work this way. I didn't think it'd be this way at this point in my life. And I don't think, I didn't plan on there being a COVID for two years and struggles like this and trying to keep things going. But guess what? That's not my job to try to keep things going. My job is to have a happy spirit about my house, of my heart, and to rejoice in the Lord always because what happens, happens. My job is to claim the promises of God. My job is to have faith and trust in God, secondly. Turn with me to Hebrews 11 as we get ready to close. You can't control things, folks. See, so many of us are micromanagers. We're narcissistic. I've got to control every situation. And, and so we try to control this and we control this and control this. I watch that with parents. I watch parents that we've been sent so many good Bible college students through these 25 years. We had a man, he sent our daughter to school. You won't even know who I'm talking about. 25 years ago, he says, she's never had her hair cut. If she has her, and she's 25 years old, she cuts her hair, I'm holding you responsible. I said, you better come get her because I'm not going to be responsible to police someone's hair. It's not my job. And I said, sir, she's older. I don't think it's your job either, but you figure that out. Well, you got, came and got her. By the way, I wish you could weep with me over the destruction of that life. And then all of a sudden, the father wanted no rules. You know, when you get to Hebrews 11, you know when some things happen, God delivers. But look, look what he says. 
Gideon, verse 32, and Barak, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued, they subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained the promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence. Hey, there were some that had great victories when things happened. Uh, did you take a look? Verse 20, verse 36. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging and bonds and imprisonment and stone, and they were sawn asunder. What does that mean? They were cut in half. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, afflicted, tormented. The world was not worthy. They were in deserts. They were in mountains. They were in dens. They were in caves. Oh, yes, God delivered some, but not all. That's up to, that's up to God. My job is what happens is going to happen. Because the steps of a good man are the Lord. You say, well, I'm not a good person. Well, there's none that doeth good. But our goodness is not found in ourselves. It's in Him. And so, one, I'm to claim the promises of God. And two, I'm to trust and believe my trial and circumstances is God-ordained. And thirdly, I'm to remain unshaken. None of these things move me. You know, Pastor Everson, that couple, I wish you, they're both with the Lord, Brother Jim and Donna Tucker. Oh, I wish you, sitting on ready. Just such sweet people. Let me close. I, I, this had to be 20 years ago. Probably longer than that because it was before 9-11. I was preaching in Long Beach, California, right near where the municipal auditorium was, it sat 3,000 people, and Charles Fuller would have every Sunday afternoon the old-fashioned revival hour in the 50s there, the early 60s. They tore the building down a few years back, several years ago. I was preaching there on Monday and Tuesday, and now it's Wednesday morning. My friend, I don't believe, I don't believe Bobby Robertson had preached in California before that. Probably was 25 years ago. Maybe he had, but I don't think so. Bobby Robertson pastor till he was 86 years of age, 61 years, the same church in Walkertown, North Carolina. Walkertown is, on a good day, 5,000 people. It's out in the tobacco fields right outside of Winston-Salem. It was all tobacco country. Bobby's dad was a pastor. Brother Bobby Roberts' dad was a pastor. And at age 39, he was working at the bank and pastoring the church, and he died of a heart attack. And Bobby had to quit school in eighth grade and came home and began to work in the tobacco fields. Brother Bobby, his church exploded out there in the country. I preached here so many revivals, and it just began to go and grow. He had the nation's largest church ministry, bus ministry, unassociated with the college. Largest thing. It's just amazing. Died a few years ago. They'd have 3,000, 3,200, 3,500 in church out in the country. Beautiful, beautiful buildings, all paid for. He says, well, we'll save the money. And, 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 and sometimes, and I don't say this, he, he, the, the king's language, he wouldn't say once or twice. He would say once or twice, but he had such brilliant people that sat under his ministry. He was a man of God, just an amazing man of God. But like Jim and Donna Tucker, he was slow. 
He was country. It was Wednesday morning. We had to get through L.A. traffic to get to LAX. I love our state. I hate LAX. That airport, the devil landed there because every time I'm there, it's terrible. I've said I am never, one morning, three o'clock in the morning, a couple years ago, still waiting to get out three o'clock in the morning. I said, I'm never going to do this again. I'm not flying to LAX. We got Burbank. We got John Wayne. We've got Ontario. We've got, we've got all these. I'm not, I've got Long Beach. I'm not flying to LA. Well, next time I was a cheaper rate, I flew to LAX. Don't let me do that. That morning, when we had to get in the car, I don't know what time it was, but the sun had already risen. It was a sunny type of day. And I got up and got ready and packed up my little belonging and, and I waited. Brother Bobby's in another room right by me. Just waited, waited. He's supposed to be there. I don't know what time. Let's say it was six o'clock. And he wasn't, he wasn't moving. I took my bag and took it down to the pastor's car and said, here's mine. I'll, I'll go back up. I stood outside his door and I tried to listen. I didn't hear him. And after about another 15 minutes, I, I, I said, he's probably sleeping. I said, no, he's not sleeping. He's three hours. And I, I knocked on the door. Yeah, I'm coming. L.A. traffic. Brother Treber, how you doing? You know, I slept so well last night. I normally don't sleep. I slept. I slept. I'm thinking, we've got to go. Come on, I don't care right now. I love you so much. I don't care how you slept. We've got to. And you know, he, he'd travel with two suit bags, suitcases. I'm thinking, what is going on? He had the one ready. I said, well, let me take it down. The pastor's there. He goes, well, we'll make it. We've got time. I said, we're about 20 minutes late right now. I want to show respect. He was, I'll never attain to who he was. And I, I said, you know, we're late. Said, you know, Brother Traber, you worry too much. <laughs> All he needed was a pipe smoking, you know, that would have been, I mean, you worry too much as well. You don't, you don't understand, L.A. traffic is tough. Well, we'll make it. And if we don't, we'll get the next flight. <laughs> I mean... I took the bag down, I came back, knocked on the door, and, and he goes, well, I'm about ready. I took the bag and I put it in the door. I was just waiting at the door. I didn't want to be in his room. I waited at the door there with the door propped open. I said, well, we're ready. We're ready to go. I mean, we're probably 25 minutes late at least, if not more. And he comes out the door. I, I don't remember who it was, but I think it was a maid that was going to come and clean or somebody. And he goes, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Brother Mofa, he started talking to this person. And I mean, just, well, I tell you, we've been over here preaching. Such and such Baptist church, I don't forget where we were preaching. He goes, we, we've been over here. There's Brother, there's Brother Traber. He's up there in Santa Clara. Cali I'm, from, I'm from Walkertown. You've probably never heard of Walkertown. We're, we're, we're outside of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. You know, Tar Heels, Blue Devils up there. That, that, that's, I guess that's basketball teams. I mean, I, I mean, I'm just agitated, not mad at him. Just, we're not going to make it. 
I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing around my feet. It's just, we're not going to make it. I said, Brother Bobby, I'm going I'm to go to the elevator and get the elevator. And I put the suitcase in the door to hold the door. And I said, hey, my brother, we've got to go. Come on, Dr. Robertson. Oh, Brother Traber, you're so nervous. <laughs> we, we, we got in the elevator and we got downstairs. He started to talk. There were some other preachers that we started. We, we've got to go. We've got to be. Well, we'll make it. We'll make it. We're in the car. I'm in the back seat. He's up front. And he said, you know what I'm thinking about, Pastor? I think I want to get you off the freeway and get a cup of coffee. <laughs> Brother Jose, I mean, I'm not embellishing. It's just the way he was. I said, we don't have time for coffee. I'll, I'll give you money. We'll buy it at the airport. We've got to keep going. Because we'll look at this traffic. I said, yeah, it's going good. But watch. Sure enough, we stopped. Well, it'll open up. Well, it did open up. We went going again. I, he goes, see, I told you. I said, yeah, but watch. We stopped again. I mean, my head is about ready to explode. I had to handle this situation. We got, is that, I know the name of the street. I can't think of it right, to the LAX airport. And we got there, and it was all backed up. You couldn't get anywhere. And we just kept inching away and inching away. Finally, I said, you know, I'm going to this terminal you're going to hear some money for coffee. And, well, I don't know. And we kept, I said, I'm going to jump out where the terminal's way down there. I'm not even near, but I said, I'm going to run. i got to catch this flight. He said, Brother Traber, I told you you were going to make it. <laughs> I had to go from the car, run, and my gate was the end of the terminal. I got there. I had been running. I was drenched. I was wet. I was up, you know, and I, I got there and they're getting ready to shut the gate. I said, okay. We shut the gate. I sat down and I thought about, I told you, you're going to make it. <laughs> I'm too antsy. But I have to learn and I'm learning. It's taken me all these years. What's going to happen is going to happen. You know, I thought of so much this week if I had perished in that potential car accident. You'll do fine. Everything will be great. I kept thinking, I wish I had one more time to just talk to my family. I wish I would have had one more time to, to talk to the church. And I said, thank you, God, for sparing me because i got another time by your grace. I've taken too long today, but friends, you can't control what's out of your control. You just can't do it. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.